0: to sit wherever you want happy new year everyone it's good to to be here together and my sermon starts says um, notes to self you've already know what you want to say stop reading and start writing so you didn't need to know that but that's what it says at the top of my page um, a few months before I got married I'm um, two different people I got married in 2017 to Jess um, who's here Woohoo! and um, two people came up to me unbeknownst to each other And they said the same thing. Um, And they both said that they believed God wanted me to reflect on a Bible verse, uh, the same Bible verse. It was Deuteronomy 24, verse 5. Um, Now, if I were Chinese, um, which I'm not, I would have called these people auntie and uncle. That was the kind of relationship I had with them, right? Um, They were like... uh, in white churches, we don't have that tradition. We call them like David and Astrid. This was Astrid and Craig. And Astrid and Craig, who I'd sort of grown up with, been on holidays with, slept over um, at their houses, really good friends with their kids. They both came up to me out of the blue and said, I think this Bible verse is for you. Deuteronomy 24 verse 5. Um, And so let's open our Bibles um, to Deuteronomy 24 verse 5. It's not what we're reading today, but Deuteronomy is the fifth book in the Bible, Um, one of my favorites, just to try and be a little bit different. Um, But generally, 24 verse 5 says, if a man has recently married, he must not be sent to war or have any other duty laid on him. For one year, he is to be free to stay at home and bring happiness to the wife he has married. I don't usually take unsolicited Bible verses. Um, it's not, you know, not a practice I'm, I'm particularly comfortable with. Um, sometimes if someone gives an unsolicited Bible verse to me, uh, uh, I don't like it. I'll be like, I think you're just trying to impose your own ideas on me with this Bible verse. But this seemed like it might have been from God. So I reflected on it. I read it. And the context that you need to know is that I, um, I hadn't really worked full-time before. Um, I did six weeks of full-time, um, six big weeks at Click Energy Call Centre in Collingwood, um, so I could save up enough money for my 21st. Um, if Dana was here, I'd, uh, you know, Donna did this, a similar thing early, uh, late last year, and um, so I'd, I'd only ever done six weeks of full-time work in my life. At this stage, I was uh, studying at Bible College, and I was part-time assistant pastor two days a week. Um, But I did have a full-time job that I'd been slaving away at for a long time. And that job was called socializing. Um, I was uh, very full-time, overworking um, church activities, uh, social life, cafe, you know, brunch, lunch, dinner, drinks. Like, I went hard. I sacrificed uni. I sacrificed part-time work. Once I told my boss, I was like, just so you know, my job is not my main priority. So I've got a lot of things on at church, and um, sometimes I'm just going to say I can't can't come in today because I've I've got an event on that I want to sort of prepare for at church or something. Um, but I also sacrificed rest. I sacrificed a healthy balance of off and on. And so every couple of months, I was um, I was really into like church life and ministry, and I'd I'd get really busy around Easter or Christmas or uh, I was part of this festival that would would run um, in the April holidays called Soul Survivor, and I'd get really busy, and I'd go so hard that every time you could guarantee that the week after these things, I would get sick. Um, And also, I'd get really tired, and I'd do lots of Christian activities or church stuff, get really busy, and then I'd get so tired that I'd be more angry. I'd be more greedy. I'd be more lustful. I'd basically spend all this time doing Christian activities and end up so tired that I was less Christ-like. And so 2017 rolls around. It's, um, it's early in the year, and my, my boss at church has just asked me to prepare a sermon on silence and solitude. And I know when I came to Embrace, I was quite into silence and solitude, but before that... I. I I had no, never been by myself, you know, ever. I just, like, I had sisters. I had, you know, if I was in, even in the bathroom, I'd, like, chuck on the iPad, watch some NBA highlights. Like, I just wasn't someone who ever would sit down and, and not surround myself with noise or people or activity or fun. And so what I discerned is that maybe God was calling me to learn what it means to rest that God might be calling me to learn what it means to slow down, that God might be inviting me into this ancient mystery that he calls Sabbath. And so around the time that, that Craig and Astrid both said, look at this verse about um, when you're newly married, uh, God would, would tell um, young married men to, to take a year off from war and other duties to, to just invest in the marriage. I kind of recognized that this was a a call that would would really change my life if I was to actually take this on. And if you ask Jess, I'm sure she'd say, like, he did okay, but he wasn't perfect. He still, you know, managed to fit in a lot of FIFA nights and all sorts of um, things in the first year. But I I started to to go, okay, what's this idea of, of Sabbath? What's this idea of slowing down? What does it mean to not always be on? To not always be, be going on to the next thing and to the next thing and to the next thing. Like Jay Z has that song, on to the next one, on to the next one. That's how I did my life. I think Jay zs is probably talking about something else, but. Um, <laughs> I began to find out that there's this beautiful, rich tradition that goes all through Scripture from the first page. From the creation, God says i'm going to make this day holy it says he blessed the seventh day and made it holy he he blessed the seventh day and rested and then like sabbath just throughout the bible comes up again and again and again it's not just on the first page it's then part of the ten commandments it's then part of jesus ministry And what we're going to get to in a moment is, is seeing that it's actually even part of the, the destination of all creation as well. So Sabbath is, is a day of rest. Um, it's a day uh, for us, but it's, it started because it was a day for God, that God um, reached the climax of creation and then said, I'm going to rest, So I'm going to stop. So turn to Genesis 2, 1 to 3. I can even go back. I get my, perfect. Um, That's Genesis 2, 1 to 3, but I'd love for you to open it in your own Bibles. Um, If you need a Bible, there's some around the corner. Put up your hand if you'd like a paper Bible. We're all, all good. Sweet, because if you do, PJ's really quick at getting them. Um, So it says that the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Uh, God finished what he was was working on. It was complete. It was done. It was very good. And so, so by the seventh day, God had finished the work He had been doing. And this is the first time the, the number seven comes up in the Bible. And I don't know if you have any particular first times that mean a lot to you. You know, whether it's the, the first time you saw Taylor Swift live, or it's the, the first time you. Met your dog. I remember the first time I met Matisse. It was pretty awkward. She was very anxious. Or you know, we talk about like the first time you fell in love, or the first time. This is is a big one. The first time you say "I love you" to your partner. Was it too early? Was it the right time? You know, the first time you you got a job, um, or the first time you failed an an assignment. My first maths test at Melbourne High was brutal. But the first time the number seven comes up, the first time the number seven comes up is here, and it's going to set the agenda for this number, which is going to come up again and, again and again and again and again and again and again all throughout the Bible. This number seven, which which ends up meaning completion, ends up meaning wholeness, because of what happens here. Whenever the number seven comes up, and it comes up almost more than any other sort of number or idea in the Bible. It's going to mean that, that God has completed something, that it's whole, that it's good, that it's done. And so it says, by day seven, God finished the work he'd been doing. And um, another translation for finished might be ceased. Um, the word finished, the word ceased, is the, the root word for Sabbath, Shabbat. And this is not because, like, God's tired. He's, like, run a marathon and he's, he's wrecked. Um, God doesn't get wrecked. God's, um, God never runs out of fuel. I had to fill out fuel this week and I was like, the light got on. And I was like, oh, no. Never happens to God. Never runs out. God rested. God finished. God ceased because he was done. God said, this is, this is all done. I don't need to do any more. It doesn't mean he, like, left for a day, either. It doesn't say, God bailed on the earth. Um, he never abandons his creation. John 5. How comfortable are you feeling flipping around the Bible today? Because so I've got some good Bible flipping, too. Quickly turn to John 5, which is in the New Testament. It's the fourth book of the New Testament. Um, John 5... Jesus who is the revelation of God as a human John 5 verse 18 16, 16 John 5 16. fascinating little verse Jesus says he was doing a bunch of, of important stuff on the Sabbath because my father is always at his work to this very day I too am working So Jesus is saying there, as he's revealing who God is, that God never abandons his creation. He never, he never stops being God. But he does, he does stop creating. He stops this creative process to enjoy it and to say, this is beautiful, this is good, this is done. And so it says God blessed the seventh day. He said, this day is going to be holy. And the word holy means to be set apart. The word holy means to be unlike anything else. And he said, this day is set apart. This day is special. This day is unlike any other. This is a day of rest. And the rest of the story of the Bible, in some ways, is a story of of the God who rests, Teaching his people to rest in him. The God who says it is finished, carrying a people through um, the wilderness and through the life's journeys and through creation, because he's done it. Yeah, you know, it's the same words that Jesus has at the cross, it is finished. There's something to God's complete work that like we God rests at the end of his week, we rest at the start. And so what happens if we go through the Bible is, um, so after the creation story, um, we have the rest of Genesis, and then um, Exodus is the next book in the Bible. And Exodus 20, if you want to turn to Exodus 20, um, many hundred years have have passed, but um, God starts revealing himself through more more and more speech, and he actually gets um, Moses to write something down for the people, the Ten Commandments. And so he says um, to to Moses and then to to his people in Exodus 20, verse 8, "'Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall do labour and do all your work, "'but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. "'On it you shall not do any work.'" And it's not just you, it's not just something you do by yourself. And It says, "'Neither you nor your son and daughter, "'nor your male or female servant.'" so there's some justice sort of happening. You have to give the servants a break as well. Nor your animals, so you have to give the animals a break. Nor any foreigner residing in your towns. And it roots this command in the creation story. It says, For in six days, this is verse 11, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So what happens here at the Ten Commandments is, is the Sabbath command, which wasn't a command at, in Genesis, the command is rooted in the creation story. And much of Jewish practice is, is rooted in the order of creation and the story of creation. We think about how God teaches men and women to live and even Jesus talks about marriage in the New Testament and he brings that back to the creation story. This this Sabbath Practice and even Sabbath principle is rooted in this creation story that God created for six days and rested for one. And so we too are to work for six days and and rest for one. So why do we have a two-day weekend? Well, if you're going to have a situation where not only do you do no work, but neither does your son or daughter or male or female servant or animals... You're going to have to prepare. So, so the Sabbath doesn't just mean six days of working for the man and then stopping. It, it, it often will mean actually some work to prepare for the Sabbath, to prepare because the Sabbath command is saying not only do you have to learn how to, to stop, you actually have to learn how to, to stop all the things around you which serve you. And so you actually have to give the animals and the servants a break. And so it takes a lot of preparation, and I'll get to some practicalities a bit later. Turn over um, to Exodus 31. Um, There's more conversation about the Sabbath. And what's really interesting in Exodus 31, verse 12 to 18, I'm not going to read it all out, but if you go with me to Exodus 31, from verse 12 to 18, um, hopefully you'll have a little subtitle that says the Sabbath. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbath. So, Sabbath's plural, uh, Sabbath's mine, they're, they're God's. And this will be a sign between me and you for generations to come, so that you may know that I'm the Lord who makes you holy. So, there's something in the Sabbath that's about a sort of relational awareness of God, a God awareness. That God is saying, when you rest, when you Sabbath, you remember that I am God and you are not. That the, world conti- that the world keeps going even when you stop. And then it actually says at the end of that passage, verse 18, that um, again, verse 17, it says uh, it's rooted in the creation story. But then verse 18, it says the Lord had finished speaking to Moses and gave him the two tablets, um, which had been in- inscribed by God's very finger. So this is the end of God um, giving Moses commands and and writing on stone tablets. This is the climax of that. So not only do we have Sabbath as the climax of creation, we have Sabbath as the climax of the commandments. Um, So then Sabbath keeps coming up in the Torah. The Torah is Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. Um, And it keeps coming up as a command often, saying make sure you do the Sabbath, do the Sabbath, do the Sabbath, do the Sabbath. Um, But then, later on in Israel's story, and if you um, need reminding or or haven't heard about the kind of structure of the Old Testament, it starts off um, with the Torah and then ends up being a lot of prophets and writings and history, which will tell us um, or recount many of the the stories of what happened um, to God's people over the next one or 2,000 years. And so throughout the prophets and the writings, we keep seeing the sabbath broken or the language the bible often uses is actually the sabbath desecrated which sounds so intense but i guess if the lord has blessed the sabbath and made it holy and set apart then to to not keep the sabbath wouldn't just be sort of um a, a failure of of convenience or, or obligation it would actually be a desecration of that which is holy to god so God keeps saying, Israel, you've, you've disobeyed me. You've desecrated the Sabbath. And he actually speaks judgment on them. If you are really, really fast with your fingers, you can go to 2 Chronicles 36, verse 21. Because in 2 Chronicles 36, 21, it's the very end of Chronicles, basically, 2 Chronicles which is one of the history books in the Old Testament, it, it basically tells the story of, of Jerusalem's judgment and, and falling and God saying, I've, I've had enough of, of you, Jerusalem. He says, verse 21, the land in, enjoyed its Sabbath rests, all the time of its desolation it rested until the, the judgment time was complete. God saying that basically, if you won't give the land a Sabbath, I'm going to do it for you. If you guys keep harvesting and keep working the land, then I'm going to put a stop to your activity so that even the land can rest. Which is a really beautiful picture for like um, creation care and, and conservationalism because... Um, conservationalism probably not a word, but, you know, conservation. Um, God says this whole creation is meant to have a time of rest. There's times for work, there's times for rest. And if you really want to dig into it, like, in the Bible, it then the seven thing becomes really important because every seven years, um, you actually have a year of kind of uh, freedom and debts are cleared and um, everything, like, resets. It's how the Jewish economy was meant to work. And then every, every, after seven sets of seven, you have a jubilee year where, like, slaves are free, everything goes back to square one. And, and it's, it's just a, a total year of celebration after seven sevens. Um, and so the land can have a rest, uh, the worker can have a rest, the animals can have a rest, people can have a rest. Because the Sabbath was not about some sort of like religious observance, so you were really stiff. And, you know, it became like this in, I don't know if you know much about like um, Puritan and evangelical history but the sabbath became gross in like the last couple hundred years because uh people started saying like on the sabbath we must not have any fun on the sabbath you must lay down your baseball bats and play no baseball on the sabbath you must lay down your tamagotchis and do no tamagotchi you must lay down your pokemon go and catch no pokemon and like they got really like anal about the sabbath and the pharisees did this back in jesus day as well and basically made it uh, a day of really like intense religious observance that wasn't actually good for human flourishing but the sabbath is made for the flourishing of creation the sabbath is made for joy the sabbath is made for rest the sabbath is made for beauty and so when jesus comes read on mark two with me end of mark two start of mark three Jesus comes, and he's he's going through the grain fields, and his disciples um, are with him, and what do they do if you're going through a grain field, and you're not, you know, gluten-free? You pick some heads of grain, and you make sourdough. Why would you make sourdough when you make crumpets, or pancakes, or croissants? I don't know. What their culinary skills were like, but they did go through. It says they went through the grain fields and they began to eat the wheat. And the Pharisees, who'd gotten all all stiff about the Sabbath, were like, "What are you doing? Why are you picking grain from the grain fields on the Sabbath? That's work." And Jesus says, "Hey, hey, hey! Remember David? Remember that story when he him and his friends were hungry? It was the Sabbath, but they they went in and and they got some bread." They had some consecrated bread because they were hungry and that was fine. Let's not make this all about sort of strict religious observance that has no benefit to human flourishing. He says the Sabbath was made for for man, not man for the Sabbath. He says the Sabbath was made as a gift, not so that you would be enslaved to the Sabbath, but so that the Sabbath would be a gift for you. And then it goes on to say Jesus did a healing on the Sabbath and brought life because the Sabbath is, is about life. The Sabbath is about um, the, the beauty of creation. And so to, to bring healing, to bring life, to, to resurrect something that was shriveled and, and make it well again is the most beautiful Sabbath thing that, that one can do. And so Jesus ushers in um, a, a new perspective that is the Christian perspective on Sabbath so much so that the early Christians, and this is my last um, Bible verse, but jump to Hebrews, which is one of the, um, the later um, kind of uh, l- writings of the early Christian movement. Um, we don't know the author of Hebrews. Um, some people like to have fun with authorship, but it doesn't really matter. It's a, it's a pastor. It's in the Bible, and so we understand um, God has something to say to us um, through that. But, but Hebrews 4 says that your goal is Sabbath, that, that the people of God are going to enter a Sabbath rest one day. Verse 9, if you look at it with me, it says, verse 9, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from His. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following the example of disobedience. So, from creation and having Sabbath as its climax to the end times, when in some ways the goal of creation is to one day rest with God, where all things will be made well, where everything will be put to rights, and we'll rest with God. Sabbath is the day of wholeness, it's the day of completion, it's the day of delight, it's the day of rest. And so I'm not an expert on Sabbath. Um, I remember when I, I think my first pastoral meeting at Embrace, I met up with PJ. Um, There was basketball on at this place in Footscray. I think I had a peanut butter and jam milkshake. It was delicious. We met up for the first time. There was NBA on. I think it was Boston versus Cleveland. I was like, this is a cool church. I'm doing a pastoral catch-up with Boston and Cleveland on in Footscray. And um, we started talking about the Sabbath. I don't know if you remember, PJ. It looks like you don't. But um, uh, And he was like, when are you free? I'm like, I'm fairly free, but I'm not free Saturdays because I have Sabbath. And he's like, what? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I take a day where I make sure I don't do any work. And he's like, that sounds really cool. I'm like, I'm glad you think so. Most people think it's really weird. But um, I've been trying to practice Sabbath for five or six years and getting it wrong a lot of the time. Um, so I'm not an expert. I just want to advocate for the Sabbath based on, on that basically God Sabbath and he advocates for the Sabbath. And I think that's the best place to sort of anchor um, any of our practices is, is in God, is in his, his word and his way. And so the reason we should Sabbath is because God does and because we are his image bearers. So God rests. I want to um, sort of suggest God rests humans rest and then I want to talk about when we don't rest and then some practicalities on, okay, like but what about so God rests what's really fascinating about God resting is it's the only creation story of all the sort of competing stories at the time that uh, ends in in peace you know, all the other ancient uh, origin stories have like these deities in these crazy fights and sometimes there's like Um, Like severed testicles, and then out of that, Aphrodite comes, and there's there's gore, and it's gross, and there's always sort of chaos and competition and violence and conflict. But God creates um, through speech, and He he actually brings order to the creation and peace and calm. And so when He's done, He he enjoys it, He delights in it. I think when, when we see that God rests, we see that He's not just a functional creator. That it's not just God, the one who, who puts things in place, but there's actually this personal element to his creativity that, that he sees his creation, he sees it's very good, and then he says, well, let me rest. Let me enjoy this. Let me uh, delight in my people and in, in my creation. And so then if, if rest is the climax of creation for God, it's the beginning for humans. As we looked at last week, you've got days one, two, three, four, five, six. The humans come at day six, and then what happens? Sabbath. So whilst God finishes his creation week in Sabbath, humans actually start their creation with Sabbath. And that's true if you've ever met a baby. I know they, they claim babies don't like to rest, but come on, what else do they do? Like, um, maybe they cry a lot, but they're still kind of resting, depending on everyone else. And that's how we start our life. It's out of grace. It's like, you come into the world and you don't have to do anything, because the parents are like, I got you, I love you. And so the Jewish week starts with the Sabbath. In that, instead of like God finishes with Sabbath, the, the people of God actually start with Sabbath, and out of their rest, their work begins. Now, when we don't rest, there's often consequences. You know, um, like I spoke of that in Scripture, the neglect of Sabbath, um, or the desecration of Sabbath. Uh, results in judgment from God. Um, but often, if it's not God's direct judgment, we just see that in His created order, it actually ends up costing you a lot not to follow the wisdom of creation. And so we end up suffering, we end up burning out, getting mad and moody and much worse. You don't hear of too many uh, great like moral failures of people who had lots of energy, really good sleep, been keeping the Sabbath. It's like... Usually, at least I know in, in the sort of pastoral business, most of the pastors who end up having affairs or stealing money or doing all kinds of nefarious things, they're often burnt out and they, it's no excuse at all. But it's like, I wonder how you could have uh, exercised self-control and, and wisdom and prudence if you, if you had learned the practice of rest. I think Sabbath also shows us that it's, it's not only God's people who should follow God's ways. This is a debate that's really live at the moment because when we think of sexuality, we think of, um, well, God says that, say, sex is only between a man and a woman. And so if we believe in God, then that's for us, but maybe that's for no one else. And I, I think that's a, a pretty strong argument, you know, if, you've got, if, you, if someone isn't following Jesus, why would they follow his commands? I get that. At the same time, if God is the creator of all the world, if he's the designer, if he's Lord, then maybe he actually knows what's best for everyone. And so we can actually, this is going to be really helpful for our, our witness and our apologetic of, of Christianity, that rest is actually designed by God, and it's not just for Christians, it's for everyone. And so, as the there's like it's it's becoming more of a trend, even like the secular Sabbath and the tech Sabbath, and we should celebrate that and say this is actually rooted in in the ways of, of God, and um, this is good for everyone. And then we can help people go. And it's even best when we understand it from a Christian perspective because um, we genuinely can rest because God God has the whole world in His hands. And just pastorally, uh, the other thing I want to say about when we don't rest is. I think a lot of people, if you talk to like your parents' um, generation, uh, they'll often be fearful that people will lose their faith if they date a non-Christian. And look, that does happen. Or if they, you know, read too much atheism, um, sort of like Richard Dawkins, that'll destroy your faith. And sometimes that happens. Or if you... Um, you know, follow ideology or strange theology, or I know a big one is just, if you're really hurt by the church, it really can be hard to sort of rebuild your faith. And all those things do affect people's faith, but in my pastoral experience, the thing, the number one thing that I've seen, at least for our generation, that, that erodes faith is actually just busyness. More people I've seen leave the church and leave faith because they got too busy for God, than because of, of any other reason. If you try to squeeze too much in, you'll eventually squeeze God out. Which is bizarre because it's like God. Like God. And it's like if you squeeze just too much stuff in, often like stuff that's pretty like, you know, not meaningless but trivial at some level, you just pack too much in you can squeeze the god of the universe out of your life out of your schedule out of your soul and so i think partially one of the, the best things we can do just for knowing god and just knowing our belovedness and just being at peace with who we are in the world and and with god is just to pause is to cease is to stop is to rest now this only works if you have a vision of reality where all things are under God. If you have a vision of reality where, like, everything is equal and and no one's the boss of me, and if I choose to follow Jesus, that's just because it's a good idea for me. If there's no concept of, like, lordship, of transcendence, of sovereignty, of power, this won't work, because eventually the, the weight of the world will fall on you, and you'll be like, I have to or when you have to like break the Sabbath, you'll be like, well, who cares? I'll break it because I'm the boss. The story of Christian creation says that God is above all else, that in the beginning was God, that he makes us and we're the apple of his eye and, and in some ways we're like the centerpiece of his creation, but we are below God. We are created and he is creator. And so we, um, we are his children. We, we sit below him on the hierarchy. And we can listen to him and, and trust him and like it's grace right it's like God has done it so we don't always have to who runs the world God so we don't always have to this is like the Sabbath is, is, is grace it's you don't have to control every single thing you don't have to always keep working always keep running like you know at 100 miles an hour because God has got you because he Holds you. Walter Brueggemann says that people who keep the Sabbath live all seven days differently. Because once you start living as if God is in control, as if you don't have to run the world, as if you don't have to carry the world on your shoulders, then not only will you keep the Sabbath, but every day will start to look different. And so my prayer is that Sabbath would be a practice that we um, learn and grow in and no judgment if it's it's like it's not something you've ever thought about um because you know sabbath can be kind of hard to and there's no perfect way either i'm not going to share much about my sabbath just because i don't want to say like this is how you got to do it it's a day of of ceasing stopping resting rejoicing enjoying the things that he's put in this world and enjoying him but people who keep the Sabbath end up living all seven days differently. So I just want to finish by addressing a couple of um, practical kind of questions because sometimes the question comes up, um, well, isn't there a fine line between rest and laziness? Or isn't it dangerous to learn rest if you haven't learned like a good work ethic? I actually think there's a huge line between rest and laziness because like I was going to do a um I was going to do a list of like all the successful people who sabbathed. But then I was like that kind of defeats the purpose of God's vision of success is to kind of turn it into like a capitalistic or sort of um uh, what's that ladder we you know all try to climb called again? Sorry. No, it's like um, the, sorry? Not Jacob's Ladder. It's just a saying, anyway. The words escaped me. Um, But, you know, this idea that everyone can just keep climbing, can just keep getting better. Um, I don't think God's into that. God's not into sort of the corporate ladder or climbing or getting, you know, being more successful and and then saying, oh, look at all these successful people who Sabbaths you know who sabbath god like that's enough like god sabbath jesus sabbath sure, sure like sure like lebron spends a lot of energy and effort on rest but that doesn't matter to most of you or like you know there are examples and if you want to look up in your field or your heroes feel free because it can be encouraging to hear that you know um, a bunch of people who have done really fantastic things do sabbath and and we don't have to always be on twenty-four-seven to achieve our goals. So I actually think there's a there's a big difference between rest and laziness because rest actually takes effort. Rest takes intention. If you're going to Sabbath, you're going to have to plan. If you're going to say, you know what, I'm gonna um, I'm not going to use my phone today, you're going to have to like plan your your social life. Or, you know, maybe that just doesn't work for you because you need your phone for your social life. But you go, I'm not going to do any cooking on that day. Or you're going to have to pre-cook. Or you're going to have to, like, save, you know, make sure you have money in your budget to, to eat out or whatever. Like, it takes planning to rest well. If you're going with the flow, which there's nothing wrong with going with the flow, but if you're, like, lazy, you'll actually never rest because you'll just be like, you know, getting distracted and, and sort of procrastinating and I do all these things so like, there's no judgment here but like to rest well actually takes a lot of effort and intention but rest is not a life hack either it's not sort of something we do so we can be even more productive it's not an optimization technique and I've, I've heard this idea that like you should learn a good work ethic before you learn to Sabbath and I don't know if that's true because God says Sabbath He also says six days you shall work. So these two should never cancel each other out. It's just like there is a high value that God places on rest and there is a high value that God places on work. And so learn to do them both. A life well lived, a life well ordered. The order of creation says six days you shall work, one day you shall rest. I guess I just want to close by like, you know how we say God can't call you to something where you'll disobey Him. If you think God's, you know, if I say I've I've been watching only murders in the building and Selena Gomez is, is a Christian and I think i meant to marry her, it'd be like, no, 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 because that would be a betrayal of your vow to Jess and so that can't, God can't be calling you to do that. We often hear people go, oh, what if I'm meant to date this non-Christian because then maybe God might use me to like bring them to church? No, no, God wouldn't do that. God doesn't call you to things against His will. And so if you are trying to discern your calling and it actually is going to make you not keep Sabbath, then that's actually a really good way of knowing that maybe God's not calling you. there. That what God has for you is a life of, of creative contribution, of, of good work, and of rest. And so we can rest in Him. We can find ways. We can get creative with how we rest. And we can do it together. Because, you know, one, one thing I like to make sure here at church... Like I Sabbath on Saturdays because I work on Sundays. But a lot of you will probably Sabbath on Sundays if that's what ends up working for you. And I never want church to be a place where you like burn out because you've done too much at church. And I know many of you love singing and love being part of like running church, but I don't want to build this church on the backs of like intense volunteer labor where you feel like I'm just smashed by all this church stuff. Like this should be a place of rest for you. And if if leading singing and if doing Bible readings and if helping serve the church is restful for you, then that's awesome, because it's a beautiful thing, and and I love being part of the church, and before this was ever a job for me, it was just a delight to sort of help um, lead and, and do church, but um, if you need to, like, really chill and and need to step back, like, I, I really want to have a church where we actually honour the Sabbath and not a church which is, like, an extra work day for everyone, because we're making people do so much, so... Um, that's that's my vision for for how as far as as a church we make sabbath possible for one another you might um have other ways together that you want to make sabbath possible one one way is just normalizing it amongst your people m- like amongst your crew like oh let's all just enjoy sunday let's you know and i think we do it really well go out for dinner and stuff like that but um just it's it's a communal activity it's not just something you something that God gave like to humans because we are made in his image as a collective. And so as as we learn um, to enter God's rest, to practice rest, because one day we will um, be resting with him forever. Uh, We can trust him that, you know, he runs the world. He's got the whole world in his hands. And so we are free to to trust in his grace and and rest in his arms. Amen. Why don't we stand up and I'm just going to pray for us. sometimes I pray God like what are you calling us to pick up what are you calling us to put down and I just wonder if that's the prayer here like sometimes rest is going to mean we actually you know we we pick up gardening or we pick up I don't know whatever it is that that brings great rest kombucha or I don't know um and sometimes it's going to be putting things down whether that's like you know um obligations to to parents at certain times to do things or um, I, it's going to be different for all of us, but would you just be opening up our eyes to what, what we need to stop, what we need to put down so that we might learn to rest, and what we might need to pick up. Are there any habits or, or traditions or delightful enjoyments that ways that we can honour you, God? We, we don't just do this for ourselves. We do this because we're your creation and we want to remember you and, and keep your your name holy and your day holy and know that you are God and we are not. And you built the earth and we did not. And you've made it very good and we are just that, your very good creation. And so we trust in you, God. and I pray you, you help us um, live this out. In Jesus' name.